for those of you who might be new around here, and if you couldn't pick up from my accent, <laughs> I am from New Zealand. New Zealand is a country at the bottom of the world. And one story I love from my parents is when they were traveling before they had kids in the 80s, they were in Washington, D.C. I can't remember where, if it was a museum or some, it was some important place in in Washington. Let's, let's go for that. <laughs> and they had this giant map of the world, this huge map that just ran the length of this wall, floor to ceiling. And New Zealand was missing off the map. <laughs> there was no New Zealand. We didn't exist. And somebody had taken like a black Sharpie and drawn a little arrow and written New Zealand here on this giant map. And my parents say it's the only piece of graffiti that they saw in Washington, D.C. Like they traveled all around the States and they went skiing. They went to New York. New York in the 80s not the the nicest place like they ended up in Brooklyn and were very scared for their lives Brooklyn was not the hipster cool trendy area that it is now and so they saw a lot of graffiti all around these big cities none in Washington DC except for this little arrow pointing to New Zealand and the theory is that my family like to say anyway is someone was so embarrassed that they'd forgotten to include New Zealand on this world map in Washington DC that they left this graffiti there and who knows, I'm sure the map probably being updated in, you know, the last 40 years and maybe New Zealand has made it on. But my point here is I'm from a little, little island, the bottom of the world, that a lot of people don't actually even know where it is. They often think that we're just part of Australia, that there's like a bridge connecting us. It's actually a four hour flight. <laughs> and my point here is if I can work from New Zealand and book big international clients, anyone can. And this is a question that pops up in my DMs quite often. People from all areas, all corners of the world asking me, can I book international clients if I live X, if I live here, there, wherever it is in the world? And I thought this would make a really interesting conversation for today's podcast episode. Welcome to the Dishing Up Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Alan, a former nine-to-five escapee turned six-figure business owner. This is your place to learn everything there is to know about building your dream life and career as a social media manager. Whether you're just starting out and feeling lost and confused, or you want to take your current business to the next level and double your income, this is the podcast for you. Social media is such a powerful platform and it's enabled me to book out my services and smash the six-figure milestone with only 3,000 Instagram followers. So grab a cup of tea, coffee, a glass of rosé with me, and let's turn those dreams into a reality. I want to talk through how I booked my first international client, how I continue to book international clients, what this kind of looks like in my business, and hopefully you guys can pick up a few lessons along the way. But I guess the first important thing to address here is I really believe if you have this thought, this belief that you can't book international clients because of the country you come from, this is just a limiting belief. I've talked about limiting beliefs a lot. I have like a whole module on this in my social media management course because I believe it is that important. But a limiting belief is kind of like a story that's been created in your head 
because you're scared of something. You're scared of getting out there. You're scared of starting this business and your brain looks for reasons why not to do something, why something won't work. It's looking for evidence to prove you right. Be like, hey, you can't become a social media manager. See, look, you live in Malaysia. You can't book a client from the US because of where you live. And it sounds logical, but the reality is it's completely untrue. I have students from Malaysia, the Philippines, people in my Facebook group who have been booking clients. You are not limited from where you work as a social media manager. And this is why I freaking love this this job and this career because you can work from anywhere, because you can book international clients from anywhere in the world. You just need an internet connection. <laughs> you need an internet connection and you need to be able to maybe jump on calls. So have a time zone that kind of crosses over. Even for me in New Zealand, I'm literally on opposite time zones and I still probably have like a three hour window in the morning where I cross over with my US clients and I can have meetings. But again, if I can make it work, so can you. And this limiting belief is something that's just holding you back. It's an excuse. It's a reason not to try. And we've got to get rid of that limiting belief. So let me throw it back to my journey and booking my first international client. Because I think I definitely had this limiting belief myself. And when I started my business, I specifically worked with small, local mostly Auckland-based businesses in New Zealand. And this really helped me grow my business quite quickly. I built up a really good base of clients and I really enjoyed it. It was was such a creative thing for me to do. And I really found my little niche working with mostly fashion and beauty companies and a few other random outliers. I've talked about this in my niching episode, if you guys want to hear more about that. But really, it was just focused on small Auckland businesses. And this is a strategy that I encourage a lot of you guys to use as well. If you're just getting started, local businesses can be a good foot in the door to get some experience, to figure out how things really work before setting your sights on the bigger fish overseas. But likewise, if you feel there is not the business community in your local area to support that to be able to pay you as a social media manager you can look to go straight overseas but in my journey I was definitely way too shy to start pitching to US businesses so I really stuck to the local community I used a lot of local Facebook groups to find my first clients my first international client was from the US And this was someone that kind of just like fell out of the sky. (laughs) And now that I'm thinking about it, I had two US-based clients that came quite close together. And I can't remember which one came first. So forgive me, it's it's been three years now. Three years? Yep. (laughs) And uh, my memory is, is not the best sometimes. But we had two. And the way that these these clients found me was through my Instagram. And at this stage in my business, I had just quit my job and gone full time into my business. And I had been posting on both my at Dishing Up Digital Instagram, which please don't go look at or please don't message me on it because I don't use it anymore. I simply have just left it there. So I have the name reserved and no one can just like copy my business name. Um, Thinking potentially of relaunching it. But at that time in late 2019, going into early 2020, I was running that account and I was also running my Alan McKenzie account. And it's very similar to kind of what you 
see today on my main Ella McKenzie account. Probably today is a bit more strategic and a little bit more refined. <laughs> Back then I was doing a lot of just behind the scenes of my business content. I always say documentation, the best content strategy for new social media managers, market your services by just documenting what you're doing. It's awesome. It works. And that was how I got those first few clients. I didn't really do a huge amount of educational content. I think maybe the odd post at that stage, lots of inspirational quotes. Those were my fave. <laughs> and at that time I had only just hit 2000 followers, I believe around the 2000 follower mark. And I like to point this out because a lot of people think that you need 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 followers before clients will start finding you through Instagram. And this is completely false. A few weeks ago, I interviewed Maeve on the podcast. Definitely go back and listen to that interview if you haven't already. And in that episode, she talked about booking her first client on Instagram when she had just 100 followers. So again, Red flag, this is a limiting belief. This is just your brain looking for an excuse, looking for evidence because you're scared of taking the plunge. You're scared of starting this side hustle and putting yourself out there. It's not true. You do not need X amount of followers, a certain amount of followers to book a client. And for me, I felt like 2,000 followers was so low. I was like, this is not impressive. Nobody's interested in this. And next thing you know, I have two clients from the US inquiring about my services. And that was probably, now that I think about it, one of the real moments where I realized my Ellen McKenzie account was really the magic for me. That was the thing that drew people in. That was what created leads for my business. And that was probably when I started prioritizing that account. I've had a few moments, like I had, I hired someone to actually run the account for me for a couple of months, um, doing lots of like tip-based content, doing lots of stuff for the podcast. And again, it just didn't get the results. And this is where I love personally uh, when it comes to marketing. I think personal branding is so powerful. I think as service-based entrepreneurs, you have such an advantage to be able to use your personal brand to market your business because people are attracted to that. Humans connect with other humans. And if you showcase the person behind the brand, I think that is where you can get really good sales and get really good connection to turn into conversions. Now, that's not to say... Everybody has to have a face to their business, that they can't have an agency account, that they should only use their personal account. I've seen it work both ways. And I feel like we're kind of getting off topic and going into a potential other podcast episode here. Um, but in terms of when my Dishing Up Digital School students ask me this question, I say go with your gut and what you're most excited about, what account you feel like you could create a lot of content for. And for me, I tried to do both. And I always feel like if you have two Instagram accounts for your business, you'll always end up neglecting one. Like one will always become the priority. And for me, that became my Ellen McKenzie, my quote personal account, but it wasn't really personal. It was a business account. And it was a big part of that was seeing those inquiries coming through the DMs there. So both of these US clients, the way that they found me was just literally jumping into the Instagram search bar and searching social media manager. And somehow the algorithm gods were in my favor and my profile came up. And I had definitely optimized my bio my bio for this. So in your, your account info, you can have your at handle on Instagram, so at Alan McKenzie, but you also have a name section. And for the majority of my time on Instagram, mine has been Alan 
social media manager or Alan, social media strategist. If you have a location specific business, like your hair salon, you would have your brand name and then say Auckland hair salon. For my studio, for example, I have Auckland content lifestyle studio. So you're picking up keywords so that when people search for what they're looking for, whether it's a content studio, whether it's a social media manager, you will show up. The only exception here is I no longer have this on my name because when I signed up for Meta Verified, which I did because my Instagram is my livelihood and I know everyone is talking about the status of the blue tick and how that makes you look good. For me, I signed up for that subscription because of the protection and the extra security I have around my account getting hacked because I know if that was hacked, that would be a huge loss to my business. So that's why I've signed up for that. And in that process, because I went with the kind of like early bird release in New Zealand, for some reason they tested it in the New Zealand market, which was amazing. We never get anything first. It was super exciting. <laughs> and when I signed up for that, you couldn't have any other things in your name. Your name had to match your government IDs, your driver's license. So that is why mine now just says Alan McKenzie. I have heard that since then they have changed it so you can have your name and something else. But for me, I'm now at a place where my account is more established. Um, I have, you know, wider marketing strategy going on that I don't actually rely on Instagram search so much anymore. But for you guys getting started, if you're wanting to book those international clients, if you're wanting to utilize Instagram to book more clients, then having those keywords in your name on Instagram is really key. And I really like telling this story because it shows you how simple it can be. Your dream client can put social media manager into the search bar. They can come across your Instagram. They can connect and resonate with your content. They can admire your design, your vision, your style of your posts, your editing, and they can send you a DM. You can hop on a discovery call and you can close that call. And I remember my bio didn't say anything about where I was from. If you probably read through some of the captions, you know, looked at my holiday posts, you could figure it out that I was from New Zealand. But I think this was also kind of a strategic decision on my end because I did like the idea of having an international client. It was one of my goals. I wasn't quite sure how to go about it. But I decided by taking Auckland or New Zealand off my profile that potentially it could open me up to more global clients. And I do think that has been a part of it. So if you are aiming for more international clients, I would take off your location. I don't think your clients necessarily need to know where you're based in the world. And for me, on the discovery call, of course I mentioned where I'm from. It's great small talk. Whereabouts am I chatting to you from? <laughs> How's the weather over there? Most of the time I'm talking to people in the Northern Hemisphere. So I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can see the sunshine baking in through your window. It looks so lovely and warm. And here I am in New Zealand, like all snugged up in my, my knitwear in winter. Great small talk. <laughs> I always think the weather is a great icebreaker. Um, but anyway, I don't hide necessarily where I'm from when I go through that discovery call process. I'm very open about it. And obviously, most people can tell from my accent as well. <laughs> There's no hiding the accent. But I think this is also an important question to answer because people do ask me, like, do you have to hide where you're from? Like, is it going to be, I don't know, a case of discrimination? People aren't going to want to hire you because of where you're from in the world. And again, red flag, limiting belief. 
That is your brain looking for yet another excuse, another reason, another piece of evidence as to why your business isn't going to work. Never have I been on a discovery call where someone's like, oh, that's kind of annoying that you're not in, you know, the Eastern time zone or you're not from the U.S., They're like, oh, cool, that's nice. So when can we do our calls? Like, what's your time zone? We just figure it out. Most of the time I bring it up and I'm like, uh, I'm based in New Zealand. And as I mentioned earlier, so the only thing I like to make my clients aware of is our time zones will be a little bit different. And then I'll probably explain like, if you're in this part of the world, it will be this time for meetings and this is when I'll be available. Sometimes there's a little bit of a lag time. If you message me first thing in the morning for you, I'll probably be asleep. And they're always fine with it. I don't feel there is a huge amount of like discrimination around hiring outsources from overseas. I think, especially after COVID, I think it's become super common. People are much more, I guess, into (laughs) remote working. Uh, People are hiring people from all parts of the world because they know that there is the technology to support that and they don't need to have somebody local to do all their work for them. And on that topic, for my international clients, I obviously don't film reels for them and there's ways to work around this. You can script reels, you can do the storyboarding, you can do all the research for them, you can then do the editing on the other end and make it super easy. That's one of the best uh, sort of feedback I've had from clients in the past couple of years is the fact that they would never do reels if it wasn't me for the accountability and the research and making it so easy for them. So there are still ways to be valuable in the content creation process while being on the other side of the world, while working remotely. Now, the really cool thing, once you start getting your first couple of clients in the international market, wherever you are kind of targeting, that is when you can start working the connections. Openly discuss with your client and be like, hey, I actually have another spot for social media management. Maybe not like straight off the bat, like you want to work with them for a month or two to kind of prove you can do the work. Ask them if they have anyone else in their network, if they know any other business owners who would be interested in working together. This was really helpful for me and helped me build a bit of momentum in getting other international clients. And referrals, I think, whether they're local or international, are just fantastic in business. And this is where I've got one of my newest clients was, again, a referral. And that's actually another great example of how to book international clients. If you are not getting the traction on social media, put yourself in the room. It's probably a virtual room. It's not a physical room. (laughs) But put yourself out there. Sign up for programs. Join Facebook communities, join membership groups. It doesn't have to be an expensive, flashy mastermind if that's not in your budget. Although I do love masterminds, I think you make great connections. It's something that I've always been part of in the last last couple of years in my business. That's been my preferred mentorship style in terms of who coaches me. <laughs> if you're ever curious, I t- tend to lean towards masterminds. But there's also cheaper membership groups out there. There are memberships where you can sign up for a lower monthly fee and join a Facebook group and interact with people that way. And that is how I've gotten one of my biggest clients to date. It was a group that I was in, more probably a group coaching program to be fair, rather than a mastermind. And 
they were someone who was also in the group, complete different industry to me, but still service-based. And they were working with a client who needed a social media manager. So it was like a nice little referral process there. And we had a nice little connection. It was like, oh, we've done the same program together. We've used the same coach. So we're obviously, you know, aligned here. Let me set you up with my client. And that was how that one happened. I personally have never sent a cold pitch to an international client. I really went through that with local clients, building up my portfolio, getting my experience, really honing my craft. And then for me, it was the next step to go international. Again, this may not be possible for everyone. It may be a case of you need to go international straight away. Maybe it's a case of working on you know, fake clients or building up a portfolio of just examples of what you could do. Maybe you don't necessarily have the, the test clients yet, but you can take that approach of just going international first. I'm just simply explaining the route that I took. And when I look back at all of these international clients, they have all come from either finding me on Instagram or referrals. Those are the key ways, I think, to not just get international clients, but also get high ticket clients. I also remember going to um, like a year, maybe two years ago, going to a online sort of conference and it was for, I think it was for service-based online businesses. And I just remember that's a great example again of getting yourself in the room with the right people, getting yourself into that virtual conference. Like it was something cheap. It was only like a $50 ticket. And I remember being there in this sort of Zoom room and being like, wow, there's so many potential clients here. Like I could literally screenshot all of these people because everyone was like sharing their Instagram handle and kind of networking in the chat. I was like, I could screenshot all of these and go send a pitch if I want to do, like if I needed clients. Like it was just a little gold mine of businesses. And this is again, the mindset shift, changing your limiting beliefs. And one of the phrases that I use all the time with my students in the Dishing Up Digital School is, there is an abundance of clients. There are clients everywhere. I firmly, firmly believe that. And it's all about changing your mindset and changing your attitude and energy to really believe that. Because there are literally tens of thousands of people running businesses all around the world. Like as soon as you open up to the international market, it goes from, you know, hundreds of local clients to like tens of thousands of clients anywhere in the world. So I really think the possibilities are endless. You just have to believe that too. You just have to come in with the right attitude and just be relentless and not giving up and keep going for it. Keep sending those cold pictures, keep posting on Instagram, being consistent because this kind of thing, booking international clients, booking those big dreamy clients, it's not something that happens overnight for the majority of us. Yes, there is the small 1%. You might see someone posting on Instagram like, I hit 10K in my first month as a digital nomad or social media manager or copywriter or influencer or whatever it is. Those are the small 1%. The rest of us, like me, it took me almost a year to quit my job, right? It then took me another year to hit a 10K month. Then took me another year and a half to hit a 20K month. It is a process. It is a journey. And that's okay. But we just need to realize and and understand that it's not going to happen all overnight. And we need to trust the process and trust ourselves to get there and get rid of those pesky little limiting beliefs. 
So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Remember to hit that subscribe button or I think it's a follow button on Spotify, whatever platform you're on. Make sure you're following along so you get notified about our next upload and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye guys.